This is Listen Lakeland, the show that keeps you up to date on all the things that make our city a great place to live, work, and play. Today's host is the executive director at Lakeland Now, a community-supported local news organization dedicated to cultivating civic engagement in Lakeland through freely accessible, locally-driven news. She's a graduate of George Washington University in Washington, D.C., and serves on the boards of Lakeland Vision and Friends of Colt Creek State Park. Please welcome your host, Trinity Lorino. Welcome to the good life. Hello, Lakeland. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Trinity Lorena, and it's great to be hosting this month's episode of Listen Lakeland. This show is an extension of Lakeland Vision. For over two decades, Lakeland Vision has been a voice for the citizens of Lakeland, working with community stakeholders to create a bright future for our city. So thank you for joining us today. In full disclosure, our program has changed a little bit. Um, We had planned to do a follow-up to the education forum that that, uh, Lakeland Vision and Lakeland Now both hosted a couple of weeks ago. And unfortunately, our guest that we had planned for that episode um, is not available um, and is battling an illness right now. So we're hoping we'll be able to bring that to you in another month. The forum, I think, was a fantastic exploration about the state of our local school system. And there were a lot of questions that we got, particularly from teachers. And so we really wanted to be able to do a follow-up with um, one of the teachers in our school system and explore some of the other topics that we didn't get to in that evening. But if you missed it, you can go back and you can watch the forum on lakelandnow.com. But um, in the place, we actually have a really amazing guest today. It's a woman that I'm actually a huge fan of and that I think if she were ever, God forbid, to leave Lakeland, half of the city would completely unravel because of how much she does for this city. Uh, You're overselling me. Uh, No, no, I'm not. All right. So our guest today is the amazing Julie Townsend, who is executive director of the Lakeland Downtown Development Authority. She's also the president of the Lake Morton Neighborhood Association. She's also the president of the Downtown Rotary Club. Um, and she also hosts her own radio show called Downtown Dish that you can hear on How Communications, WLKF. What time does that air? Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Um, in addition to that, she also has four grown children. So, yeah, I don't think I'm overselling this at all to say Lakeland <laughs> would unravel without you, Julie. <laughs> so, welcome. Thank Thanks. you so much. And especially, you know, at the kind of a last answering the last minute call, we really appreciate That's you. what I do. I answer the bat signal. <laughs> Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, tell us what uh, what is commonly referred to as LDDA, the Lakeland Downtown Development Association. What Authority. is that? Authority. Authority. See? I See? know. We don't even go by that name really other okay. than legally but on, on paper. But uh, we just answer the phone downtown Lakeland because that's what people care about. But what we are actually is a taxing district. So the property owners that own property, commercial property within the downtown district, which is defined by state statute, they pay an additional two mil in property tax. So I kind of liken it to a, a, 
a cupcake, if you will. We all pay city and county taxes. That's the that's the cake. Uh, there's another organization, part of the city called the CRA, which is the Community mm-hmm. Redevelopment Agency. They're kind of the icing, uh, and then we're the cute little sprinkles on top. So uh, <laughs> we pay the the those property owners pay that additional millage, but that those funds are restricted to. Uh, activities, events, uh, programs, projects within the district. So they tax themselves and then they pool that money together to improve the district in a variety of different ways. Mm -hmm. And and you want to talk a little bit just about what some of those programs are? Because I know there's so much going on in our downtown area. Yeah. So what we, we own and operate the first Friday event. We own and operate the farmer's market. Those are kind of our two big signature events that people would be most familiar with. Uh, Both of those events are actually celebrating 20 years uh, anniversaries this year, 20 year anniversaries. So we're very proud of both of those uh, events and they bring thousands and thousands of people to the downtown district each week, each month. Uh, I think we clocked our last few farmers markets upwards of 4,000 people um, approaching 5,000 people attending on any given Saturday. So that's a lot of folks coming and shopping with our Mm -hmm. vendors. We have about 116 on average on any given Saturday and, uh, and likewise with first Friday, uh, the vendors are obviously a little different. That's not, that's Mm -hmm. not a shopping event per se, uh, as, as the farmer's market is, but more than 150, sometimes we have 200 vendors at a first Friday and those can bring, you know, 7,500 people to the downtown in a three hour period. So those are, those take a lot of work. Uh, mm-hmm. breaking down, uh, starting up and breaking down an event of that size and magnitude in the streets of downtown, which have to be cleared mm-hmm. from <laughs> from everyone else's uses, vehicles and, and such, uh, is, a, is a big task. And um, so my staff is hats off to them because they do an amazing job. And I work every first Friday. I'm still out there, you know, uh, doing the grind work. Uh, thankfully, I don't have to work every farmer's market. I do get to be a patron at those. So, But those are those are the two big things that we do. We do other night markets. We do all of the sort of marketing for downtown. We mm-hmm. own the website and we do all the social media. Uh, and um, and then, you know, we, we promote the businesses uh, and we also um, work with the businesses on projects that better the community uh, of downtown, like the flower pots and things like that. And then we work as a liaison for the businesses and the city departments because there's always issues and we kind of have to put those fires out. Yeah. So how long has um, Lakeland Downtown been in existence? The LDDA has been... uh, it was formed in 78. Oh, wow. Yeah. And how yeah. long have you been with it now? Uh, it'll be 10 years in April, so about nine and a half years. Let me ask, what are the biggest changes you've seen in our downtown? And I'll say, like, so I'm coming up on seven years since mm-hmm. I moved to Lakeland, and I've already seen a lot of changes, but I hear people talk about what our downtown was like in the 90s, and I know it's been a huge process of revitalization. Um, so I'm wondering kind of what you've seen. Yeah. In your 10 years with, well, you've been in Lakeland a lot longer, so you can even speak to like before you were at LDDA. Yeah, so I've been involved in downtown in some capacity since about 2002. So it's been a little over 20 years that I've worked in downtown in some capacity, mostly for the betterment of downtown, not necessarily just a business in downtown. 
And I'll tell you that, uh, you know, just the 20 years has really been um, because of the farmer's market and First Friday, it's just sort of night and day where it was before those two big events uh, sort of took their hold and and ex- and just expanded that third space that we, you know, you talk about mm-hmm. um, just people wanting to be downtown. So I moved to Lakeland in 99 and I bought my home in the Lake Morton district. I've only owned that one home, never lived anywhere else in Lakeland. And so I've, I've always, I live downtown. You live downtown. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are, we are downtowners, if you will. Um, so I would say that uh, the biggest thing is just the businesses have come and gone. There've been a lot of great businesses that we've seen that have left downtown uh, either by choice or they've, they've retired or gone out of business. So the ebb and flow of businesses coming and going is just kind of a natural process for any downtown. But what I'll tell you is that, um, the types of businesses that are now there and their ability and their willingness to stay open into the evening hours and have uh, commerce at those hours has really been a product of the fact that we proved to them that people would come downtown with First Friday Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the whole concept of third spaces. And if anyone's not familiar with that, that's basically the idea that societies need places for people to just be and interact and bump into each other, you know, the way, and particularly unpaid third spaces, spaces, I mean, coffee shops are great third spaces, but there's still, you know, at least a little bit of an, you know, obligatory coffee purchase that goes along (laughs) with them, right? And we do have some, we have some great third spaces with our local community coffee shops and, you know, other things too. But I think the thing that makes our downtown so special is that we have Munn Park right there at the center. You know, we also have the beautiful surrounding around you know, Lake Mirror, and it gives us this really vibrant third space. But I also know that there's a lot kind of a lot of conversations going on right now about what that third space should really look like in the future. You want to talk about, you know, what you would like to see happen maybe in Munn Park? Oh, goodness. That's a, that's you know, there a, are some different proposals can, out there. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, I, I, I think there's, changes that are coming to the community and and we feel like you know we have to do lots of things to keep people entertained and i do want people to feel like downtown is a place that they can come and and spend time with their families and engage in lots of different things so i think it's a challenge for any community to say we're going to get everybody to agree that we want to do mm-hmm. X in this space because, of course, we all know that we're never all going to agree. Uh, so when you put that aside and you realize, okay, what are the other experiences that you can have in downtown? And let's not repeat those experiences. And that's what I've really pushed for. When we did it back in 2019, we did sort of like a, a charrette in the park, which is just a fancy French word for meeting. <laughs> Um, but we did a a public meeting in the park and we engaged with folks to tell us what they would like to see in Munn Park. And this is all post, uh, monument moving. And Mm. there's still a lot of people that are upset about that and they want to put the monument back and that ship has sailed. So we're not (laughs) doing that. Um, but that being said, I think the exercise we conducted then was sort of, you know, what do we replace that, that space? What Mm -hmm. do we put in the center? And I think what we've grown out of, learning is that 
putting nothing there is is probably the best move. Instead of saying we have to put something in the center, mm-hmm. uh, I think the the experiences that people have in Mun Park now with just the open space mm-hmm. is desirable, and because there's really no no open space like that that's so centrally located to the urban area. You've got open space at Barnett Park and. And that's wonderful, but there's also playgrounds there. So I think people are are happy with the opportunity to have that open space. But the open space does uh, could create some other challenges that you know we we would have to address. But overall, you don't want to see another fountain. You know, a fountain. Mm-hmm. We already have a fountain in Mun Park. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need another fountain just because it's in the center. We don't want to see a gazebo. Gazebos are being torn down all over the state and all over the country for lack of use and what kind of um, sort of element that it attracts in terms of people loitering and gathering and using the space for something other than it was supposed to be used for. So you see those being actually taken out of, uh, of communities mm-hmm. all over the state. So we don't want to repeat that mistake, you know, spend all that money to build something that we're going to tear down in five or 10 years and realize it was a bad idea. So we, we get a lot of great feedback, which is wonderful, but, um, you know, what I would like to see it is irrelevant in terms of what, you know, we want to have that community conversation, but I think that however we land, we just need to make sure that we're not, uh, creating a space. We're creating a space that people, is unique to that space mm-hmm. in in the sense that not I don't want to see a big playground in the center because we have that already in downtown. Playgrounds are great. Mm-hmm. We have one. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a swan statue. Don't need another one. <laughs> so it's things like that. Let's create something that people are like, hey, I want to go down, have dinner at one of the amazing restaurants, and then I can do X in Mun Park. Whatever mm-hmm. that X is, I don't know yet, but I want it to be different than they can do anywhere else. And are you finding having that open space there is just allowing for more flexibility and the kind of events and the setup? You know, I mean, when I go at Christmas time and it's all full of the lights and it is packed, and I've seen other events where everybody, you've got tents all through mm-hmm. the middle, you know, for some of the different festivals. So I imagine giving you a little more freedom. Yeah. And, you know, back in the day, Mun Park was the place to hold your event. I mean, mm-hmm. we started Spring Obsession 20 years ago and, and and Fall Extravaganza, which is unfortunately been discontinued, but that's a 30, that was a 35 year long running event in Mun Park. And then the city years ago uh, really upgraded what they were doing around the promenade in hopes that that area would attract events mainly i think just to sort of relieve the congestion in the central part of the city but people really still like having their events in mon park Mm -hmm. Uh, even with the parking constraints during an event period they still like having it there so leaving the space open for the most part uh does still allow for us to have the ability to do those events um, and expand. We're doing Friday night lives that are coming back in the spring that we partner with the city on with a band in in the center of the park and people come and dance and listen to the music. And so having more activities like that, um, but you know, just kicking a soccer ball and and running around is, is also uh, you know, a valid thing to do in, in the park. And so we want people to use the space. Uh, We don't want it to sit there dormant, but um, you can't use it 24 hours a day. So we just mm-hmm. have to make sure that what we do put there um, makes sense. Yeah. And you brought up um, parking a little bit, the parking mm-hmm. challenges. So I, <laughs> I know uh, you wouldn't let that slip by there, no, Trinity. All no, right. No. All right. So let's talk about parking in downtown. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so I will always say, and I, I truly believe there's not a parking problem. There's a walking problem. Uh, and, um, 
yes, there are a lot of spaces downtown. Let's say that there's lots of spaces in downtown. There's a lot of spaces in downtown that are not what I call in the customer's inventory uh, in their mindset, because you might have to cross South Florida to get to that space. You're not going to park on Missouri, which is one block west of South Florida mm-hmm. to go to, you know, Harry's or black and brew. You're just, that's out of your mental inventory of available spaces. So we have to think strategically about how do we, um, address where people want to park, where they need to park, uh, and and make those spaces as accessible as possible. And I know that the city is doing that right now. They're they're working on looking at, at parking and and how it can be better utilized for customers uh, to make it the most convenient and also uh, just the utilization better. Because oftentimes there are places like why can't I park there? It's an empty parking lot. And what people don't realize is that there's a almost half of the parking spaces in downtown are privately owned. Mm -hmm. And so you have this business that has a parking lot right next to them and you can't park there uh, because it's not, it's not customer parking for downtown. It's customer parking specifically or employee parking specifically for that business. So there's a lot of confusion because the city doesn't control all of the parking. And so sometimes they'll get a bad rap because they're, you know, they're, you know, people complain about the parking problem, but it's, there's, when you don't control 50% of the inventory, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really, it's a difficult, um, obstacle to, to overcome, but doing a good job with what they, what, what they have, looking at ways to improve that system and, um, what LDDA is contributing to that coming up in the next few months, probably, is a partnership with the squeeze to bring back I was gonna Wednesday, ask about the squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, Friday lunches, okay. uh, squeeze service. So you'll be able to park remotely in a city owned parking lot that they're mm-hmm. going to allow the, the squeeze users, if you will, to park there for free. Uh, it's not going to be on Mon park that lot. It's going to be off, you know, the beaten path mm-hmm. by a few blocks, but that's the whole point. You park sort of, you know, remotely, which is, it's that's a stretch because nothing's really that remote in downtown Lakeland, but we'll mm-hmm. use the word remotely for argument's sake. <laughs> uh, you park remotely and then you jump on the squeeze for free, but the frequency has to be there. The consistency of getting you where you want to go and picking you up and getting you back to your car has to be there. Mm-hmm. And I feel confident that the team at Citrus Connection can certainly do that. They've, they have a proven track record of, of excellent uh, service with the buses. So I know that the squeeze will be, uh, a great addition to transportation opportunities and um, walkability for downtown. Yeah, I have to say I've loved the squeeze. Um, you know, especially this time of year, mm-hmm. I love it on Saturdays to get to the well, actually to come home from the farmers market <laughs> because I'll head to the farmers market when the mornings are still mm-hmm. cool. But by the time I'm heading home and you have bags, full of stuff, right. you know, then yeah, I don't necessarily want to walk that mile anymore. Yeah, and that's really a benefit of the Lake Morton neighborhood. And I'm sure other neighborhoods would love to have that service. The further out you get from downtown, the the more difficult, I think the squeeze specifically service gets with golf carts, but it, it is the first step. I mean, we mm-hmm. would love to have a more robust transportation system that uh, gets people from point A to point B in, in sort of the last mile sort of trips with, um, you know, great amount of frequency, but we need more density and getting, mm-hmm. you know, getting to that point in terms of density is you got to have more people living closer to downtown uh, in order to make those systems uh, work. Not yeah. even profitable because I don't think you'll ever make public transportation profitable. I don't think anyone 
has that magic bullet, but it has to it has to work. And mm-hmm. uh, and and density of people is one of the things that makes that work. Mm-hmm. Well, while we're talking about the walking and the transportation aspect, um, so how long has it been since you since the lights transferred over to four way stops? Now, Do you know. Oh yeah, the, so, the downtown intersections. Yeah. Well, we start the the, the city first implemented those in. Uh, four or five, I think six locations, but the the most sort of popular, if you will, were the Tennessee and Kentucky at Maine and Lebanon intersections. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the DDA advocated for. We didn't have the data, but we kind of had the suspicion mm-hmm. that the trans that the um, the the crossings, the 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 number of trips, vehicle crossings in those intersections was not such that it really required to have a signaled a signaled intersection. So we took that sort of theory to the staff and they did the actual data count uh, and determined that, yeah, we don't really have the, the frequency of trips through those intersections that justify a signal and we're able to convert those to four-way stops. And of course, you know, there's going to be those grumpy, grumpy gusses out there who uh, don't like it because now yeah. they have to pay attention. Yeah. God forbid. Change is always scary. God know? forbid they pay attention to pedestrians <laughs> more carefully instead of the, the screens of their phones. But for the most part, um, it's huge success. Mm-hmm. And then it got expanded to, I think, eight or 10 other intersections throughout downtown. And the, the thing that I... Um, quoted saying many, many times uh, is that you um, you get where you're going faster by going slower. Mm-hmm. And and you literally do. You have to drive now 15, 20 miles an hour because the, you just can't, unless you're a crazy person, mm-hmm. you just can't get up to those speeds between the short city blocks of the city of Lakeland. You can't get up to the type of speed of you know, 30, 40, 50 miles an hour. Sometimes we've seen people drive through there. Uh, you can't get that to those speeds, so you are driving slower, mm-hmm. but you're not having to wait for that 30 second, 60 second, sometimes 90 second cycle of a light when there's no cross traffic yeah. and you're just waiting. So that eliminating that, I think, has eliminated a lot of the frustration on the driver mm-hmm. because I'm much less frustrated. I mean, I... I typically came. I typically come up Massachusetts from from Lake Morton to get to work every day, and I have completely abandoned Massachusetts, and now I take Kentucky. Yeah, and my office is on Kentucky. It's always been on Kentucky, but I just always took Massachusetts because six one way, half a dozen the other with the lights. And yeah. now that Kentucky doesn't have those lights anymore, I am uh, at work instead of three and a half minutes. I think it's two and a half minutes. <laughs> We have such long commutes, Julie. <laughs> uh, yes. But I still get very upset with myself if I leave something at home I and I like have to go back. We're going to get hate mail from everybody in Lakeland who commutes into Tampa and Orlando hey, and spends an hour and a half in the car every day. They We're don't sorry. have to. They don't You're have so to. sorry. We need you here. We have lots of jobs. Yes. We, we high, high school, high wage, yeah, right? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of options. I mean, yeah. that was part of what made a Lake, Lakeland such an attractive option for us. It's mm-hmm. like I've, you know, I've gone from having that hour, hour and a half commute to like, you know, now if I have to be in the car for 15 minutes, I think it's a long drive. Yeah. I'm so spoiled by living in Lake Morgan. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so I think the, the shift to the four-way stops have, have been, for me, they've been a huge success, both as somebody who walks downtown and somebody who drives downtown. You know, I think my experience mirrors exactly what you're talking about. It's a lot easier to, you know, 
Yeah, and and you don't have those cars that are speeding by mm-hmm. as you're walking, and just makes for an overall more pleasant environment. Um, the there was something else I was going to ask you about in regards. Oh, I know what it was. Sorry. Um, are the stop lights actually going to come down at some point? So. I think eventually they will. When we did this experiment the first time many, many years ago, and people were very grumpy about it, it was at Pine. And many people probably who, who so many of you moved here since then and don't realize, but we actually had signalized lights at Pine mm. at Kentucky and Tennessee. Oh. And you, if you drive down that street mm-hmm. and think about that, you're like, there's no way we would have had. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. And so there was, um, we took those out and those, those poles uh, st- and all the apparatus that goes with that stayed up for, I think, a year or so. And you want to leave that up for two reasons. One, just in case it doesn't work and you really do need to put it back, the expense of putting those poles back into the ground is uh, ridiculous. So the city wants to be a hundred percent sure this is the right move. But the also, the other reason is, is that because people aren't used to it, they need that additional blinking red light to sort of remind them, okay, there's a stop sign um, because they're not used to looking for stop signs. So if they don't see uh, a light and they're not thinking, oh, I should be looking for a stop sign because I'm at an intersection, they're going to start just blowing through those. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we've had very few crashes. I don't think there's been mm-hmm. really anything of of any kind of significance. Certainly, no no increase in crashes, more so than when there were signalized lights there. And I think crashes are pretty low in general in mm-hmm. downtown, just in that core, because there are so many pedestrians. People are paying attention uh, to walking for those, looking for the walkers, and um, and making sure that they're not you know, running people over, which is nice. Thanks. We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we like to live. Yeah. Um, so what's new? What's coming new to downtown? So we have a, we have many new businesses. Some I can talk about, some I can't. I will, I will give you some general overviews though. There's a, there's a new uh, bike shop in downtown. Oh, and he sells, he custom makes e-bicycles. Oh. Uh, American iron is the company name. And I'm super excited because, uh, some of you may remember Bike Share, and and LDDA brought that to to downtown and had a great partnership with the city and got sponsors and it was fully funded through sponsorships and it lasted just a couple of years and for the most part people didn't ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone liked the idea of Bike Share. They thought, oh, it's great to live in a city that has Bike Share. Oh, are you using it? Um, no. Mm-hmm. So it kind of flopped because of that. But to be fair, to be honest, if you're not. A, a regular bike rider, some of the hills in downtown, sp- particularly, can be a little challenging yeah. on the glutes. So, yeah. I, <laughs> so I, I understand. I was I rode the bike a lot. I know city manager Sean Schraus rode the bikes a lot. I think he and I had the <laughs> highest mileage uh, on on the system, but. What's good about the e-bikes, uh, and not that we're getting an e-bike share program, I'm not saying that, but it's something that we can look to as a partnership with mm-hmm. him as maybe a, as rentals. Uh, maybe he you know, finds a space closer to the downtown core, my office or Munn Park or something like that, and we get the, the conversation going again. Because the e-assist bikes, they're not fully electric. You can still pedal if you want. Yeah. Um, and but when you're going up Massachusetts from Lake Morton to uh, the Munn Park area, that's that's a hard hill. Yeah. If you're not used to that kind of thing, and then you break out into a sweat, and now your day is ruined. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we want to uh, if we can partnership with him, that would be great. We've got a couple of new restaurants coming. I know we've lost uh, some restaurants. We lost La Imperial, and we mm-hmm. lost. 
um, Federal Bar and um, Cafe Roti went went out of business a few years ago. But you know, sometimes that's just the ebb and flow yeah. of of a, like I said, in a downtown, you're going to have it's a living, breathing organism. Things are going to grow and things mm-hmm. are going to um, expire, if you will. But we do have two new restaurants that are coming. Uh, they're going to take a while to do their build out, and I can't talk about where they are or what they are yet. But they're going to be great additions mm-hmm. to what we already have. I know that well, actually, three restaurants because Bedrock has already announced that they're moving into the pita pit location Mm -hmm. and uh but you know and those folks own the building and i think they were just they were done they're Mm -hmm. like we've we've done this and and it was a a great experience but we're ready to do something else so and law imperial owned their building as well um so again i think it's it's less of a reflection on downtown and the the businesses or the or the amount of business that it's generating and just those are hard businesses to be in anybody who's ever worked in a restaurant yeah uh it's tough and how uh, hats off hats off to (laughs) all of those people that can do that every day for years and years yeah my daughter actually worked at pita pit and Mm -hmm. i have to say the owners are lovely lovely people and you know i know they put their heart into that business but yeah, it's not it's not easy to you know sustain that, and especially something that you know is you know Mediterranean and fresh, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of costs that that go into that. But they were great. But yeah, it's really nice to see how much our downtown is changing and thriving and kind of keeping up with the time. So I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for coming and sure. spending a half an hour with us to talk through everything that's going on in downtown and we so appreciate all the work that you do to make lakeland such a livable place um so and to all the listeners out there i want to say thank you for tuning in to listen lakeland your feedback is valued and we encourage you to head over to www.lakelandvision.org to participate in our monthly survey related to to today's show topic Listen Lakeland is brought to you as a collaborative project between Lakeland Vision, the City of Lakeland, and Hall Communications, a community working together to provide an exceptional quality of life. Thank you for being with us.